Hello. Welcome to another blasted episode of the Blast From Cast From. We're recording from purgatory in an all-consuming nightmare. And you, kind listener, are joining Neil, David and David for another trip through popular music history. And uh, to my co-hosts, I pose the question... How much more can one person take? <laughs> Let me rephrase that then. How have you been this last week? <laughs> um, bought some fruit. <laughs> oh my God. Is this it? You see what I'm That's talking what about? <laughs> do, you see, do you see where as things as are going? As he stared at the browning bananas in the bowl, he looked at his own life and thought, who will peel me? <laughs> yeah it's another week isn't it of, of this lot banter scored off the uh the run sheet once again we, uh, we that's were okay not, though, we were not really teed up for banter uh there no you need to experience things you know out in, <laughs> out in the world there so oh, by the way this this happened to me uh <laughs> yeah, i stood in the line you, in the supermarket people up for banter with uh what what happened to your terrible week? <laughs> what happened to your terrible book? despair. Okay, let's let's reframe our minds then. Live mm. music performance. Uh, this last year, a real banner year for live music, was it not? Um, the life force of popular music, which was uh, taken from us uh, over the last uh, year or so. Um, yeah, you had a few attempts, didn't you? you had some super spreader. Events peppered in there during the year, mostly in America. I don't recall there being any live music here. Where did the Flaming Lips perform? Ah, or... there you go. The um, the the harrowing dystopia that was the the Bubble Ball concert that the Flaming Lips put on. What did you? How would you like to go to that? Oh well, with a dart gun, very much. It's it was slightly depressing to see, was it not? Yeah, like that. It, it was. It was like. Um, I think it, it. I can see where you could get the idea. Maybe one late at night, maybe um, having spiced your night up somehow. <laughs> um, it's that kind of idea. Uh, but to see it actually, you know, um, seen through, conceived. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. There's the people in the bubbles, the band in the bubbles, uh, desperate attempt to have some sort of live music that's safe. But I think. Uh, I didn't know about the Flaming Lips, but uh, I think yeah, it would been it would just been it would have been nice to have that little cleanse of nothing happening for a while, and then just a burst of creativity as like a like a reward. But it's just been this piss drip through the edge of a toilet seat for like the last year. People desperately try to make it something, but it's not going to be world class art because nobody's been able to kind of break out. So why bother? But that's one man's opinion, and this is a world pandemic. So you know, what do I know? Yeah, I mean, I've I've been at home creating world class art, and I'm not gonna, even going to share it. I don't think anyone deserves it. <laughs> well, there's supposedly we're set for this 1920s like uh, burst of activity, and everyone's going to hug each other and uh, get drunk and have lots of parties and live music and things. But I don't think that's going to happen. You don't think <laughs> it's a different world, isn't it? I think it's going to be a terrible napkin world forever. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right, okay, so last year, 
you also had the new Bill and Ted movie. Any chance anyone caught that? <laughs> Bill and Ted face the music. I wish. I'd like to see it. Oh, I thought you were going to say, I wish it didn't exist. <laughs> it is it. Perhaps, uh, perhaps a one to cover for a future episode. Bill and we, Ted face the music. We could. But that film was weird because it came out of nowhere. But it's, it, I think it's pretty much the like a, a more kind of obviously ridiculous version of the Dumb and Dumber 2 plot. Um, but it, it, it's a weird one as well because it just seems like um, Keanu Reeves must have like had a phone call with his, his mate there from the first few movies and got really sad and thought, oh, come on, I'll, I'll do you a favour. Let's make a film again. Because <laughs> that's the only reason for it to exist. No one was calling for this. No one asked for this. And no one needs this. But we're all going to watch it. <laughs> I think we are going to have to watch it. Mm-hmm. Past judgment, as we like to do. But the obviously the reason that I bring that up is that we're going to do a bit of a Bill and Ted ourselves. Our own excellent adventure. Hmm? Mm, I'll cut that out as the editor. So Cricket's uh, sound effect editor. Okay. <laughs> oh, um, can we add that? <laughs> Copyright? So what we're going to do is travel through time bring some musicians from pop music history and assemble a most bodacious concert, uh, I guess, at San Dimas High School, uh, which is an actual high school. Did you know that? No. It's in San Dimas, California, believe it or not. Anyway, what's going to happen is each of us will have five picks. We'll take it in turns to name the band and artist of our choice and the year, the specific year that we're going to go back and pick them up from. And then from there, we'll narrow it down to a lineup of seven, just a random number I've pulled out of nowhere, and decide which of these seven will be the headliner. You ready? Yes. Enter the time machine. Do you know what? It'd be quite good if we could pick up George Carlin along the way as well. Uh, Always uh, is good if you can do that. I'm sure he would be missed from the new film. Um, But yeah, so we'll, we'll add in, I don't know, some sort of time machine sound effect here. Does that sound doable? Possibly. What does a time machine sound like? I think it needs to whirl, doesn't it? Like uh, fade from left to right and then like they do it in Wayne's world, don't they? Oh the the squiggly lines, that's a visual, mm-hmm. isn't it? We don't want to have he the does the, that, he yeah. accompanies it with some some sound effects, I'm sure. He goes blah 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 Alright, we'll just loop that. <laughs> um <laughs> We're ready to go then. So, uh, how? What order would you like to? Because so we'll go in threes. We'll go in three. We'll go in threes. Yeah. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Cowards go first. Oh, sorry. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Shall I split the Daves for? Or it doesn't really matter, does it? Shall I? Who would oh, like to go? make a Dave sandwich. That's I go. Good. I go second, and then Tether Dave goes third. Tether. <laughs> yeah. Right, well, okay. So where where are we going to now, and who are we picking up? I'm gonna submit you. By the way I created these are as I came up with them. In fact, no, I'm not going to do that. I'll do them chronologically, right? <laughs> oh, by year. So my first one is going to be Miles Davis, 1959. Oh, interesting. That's a prime Miles Davis kind of year, isn't it? That's is that when Kind of Blue came out? Yeah. So um. There might be some listeners who know more about this than I do, uh, most of them probably. But um, if I was looking at a time that I think he would be the most interesting to see for me, it would be this 1959 because 10 years prior to, or was it 1954 or something, it was the start of that decade, I think 
he was struggling with drugs and he came off of that and that sparked a kind of 10 year run of his most productive creative period i think and then it kind of culminated with um the album kind of blue so i think round about here is the year that he released it and that's probably when he was at that kind of if you like that stage in his career that's when he was firing on all cylinders so i think it'd be interesting to see I don't know. We've we've spoken about the San Dimas High School, of course, but um, just on the off chance that that was booked for that evening, and we would be seeing him in his uh, native <laughs> habitat, it would be quite. You'd probably be playing in some really interesting places that just don't exist anywhere anymore. So I, I mean, that's an option. Can we decide where we're gonna take people to? I suppose since we've got a time machine, we can go anywhere and at any time. We given. I don't think I've given any thought to that whatsoever. Uh, but we'll think about it to the end, maybe. Well, I think uh, as far as easy to please crowd, uh, if we if we are struggling, um, you've said it yourself. We just need to say San Dimas High School football rules, yeah, <laughs> and that'll take care of the crowd reaction. So we're 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 in. So I'm I'll one vote from me for uh, the great San Dimas. Okay, well I put to you my next choice, which is actually quite uh, convenient. My suggestion would be go to go back to 1974. And pick up Betty Davis, who just happens to be former spouse of Miles Davis. The I think hmm. one of the one of the reasons that I was interested is actually trying to find live performance footage of Betty Davis. This seems to be near impossible. I mean, this is kind of the stuff of legend as, as well, which is, makes it a bit more interesting. Is that it was kind of picketed and banned, and. Uh, generally grinding about, uh, causing all kinds of controversy um, and quite wild live performances. So I think the fact that live performance was the thing that she seemed to be known for, apart from being the former wife of uh, Miles Davis. So I would I would like to go back to 1974 and collect Betty, bring her along to San Dimas and see how that goes. I'm going to have to disagree. Uh, a long journey with a married couple or ex-married couple. No, thank you. I'm not in for that. Or is the journey not part of it? Sorry. The just, journey, the so, I mean, we're, if, so we, we're going to agree who we're going to go these and collect. Um, but depends. Yeah, the, the the two of them in the in the phone booth together when we're, we're crammed in there as well. Because that's one thing I always considered in the Bill and Ted films was imagine the farts inside that small phone booth and how long did it take them to get from, you know, Billy the Kid days to then... Socrates, you know, and then fart, fart, fart times two. Just seems to <laughs> zip along on a broadband wire um, from what I remember of the film. But uh, yeah, you don't get into. I mean, it didn't obviously literally take as long as it takes to go back there. But um, yeah. mm-hmm. I think we're looking too much into the technical aspects. The technical aspects no, of the, uh... no, but no one never, you know, mentioned the 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 generations and decades of separated fart qualities. So yeah, that'd been interesting as well. Actually, a smell a fart from the Socrates era, and then a Billy the Kid fart. And then obviously Beethoven. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get off this. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he probably have been point. able to identify what key it was in. But <laughs> the thing is, I mean, I can't even really walk into like a new room without being filled with a kind of sense of excitement and uh, of exploration. And so I can only imagine taking a, a, a box across the universe in time. You, you're probably right. There would be some yeah, excited wind. Yeah, I wonder what um, Miles Davis would make of the. The smell of your farts. So Betty Davis, she was a she was a grinder. Betty Davis was a grinder. She was a quite spectacular live performer, apparently. Oh, so wow. I, I just just out of curiosity, so I you're going definitely visuals. want to see. I'm I'm wanting the I want to see what 
well, I mean, it's live performance, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm just wanting to see. I just want to see something that apparently is so incredible that people are mm. falling over all over the place. I'm, I'm already getting a kind of, um, from your first pick, that, that perhaps your next couple are going to be a bit disastrous as well. So me and Dave will be choosing some classic performances, well put together, and you, <laughs> you're hoping it all goes chaotically wrong. So I'm going um, for spectacle. I'm, all, I'm already mm. putting two... Um, Battling ex spices together, <laughs> potentially on a lineup. But um, yeah, so why don't you tell us your next pick, sir? Where would you like us to go? Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I wish I'd gone before you because we're going to have to double back, fellas. <laughs> All right. We're going to do this chronological because I'm going to go back to 1959 as well. I forgot to pick up Old Blue Eyes, Frank Sinatra, 1959. So that's who I would pick. Just for the fact that Frank Sinatra in the, and the 60s don't gel for me mentally i can't imagine him even up until the sort of later stuff you know he's an old man you know crooning all that stuff it was like 1959 was the last time he was still young and, and savvy still got the but he's, he started to get the dad patter when he was doing his live performances and he still was still smooth and he still looked frank sinatra i think i'm trying to place him with already the, the first two choices we've obviously got a grinding woman and and, and a jazz artist so we'll try and We'll figure that out at the end. Maybe we'll, maybe he won't make the cut, but I would say that old Smokey Smokey, uh, just before the end of the 50s, Frank Sinatra would be my one because he would just cream off the entire audience for a bit. <laughs> even the patter would be enough. But I think maybe the, he's, he's even, out of, out of ridiculousness, he might even be the warm-up act just to get everyone, you know, the juices flowing because... Well, I mean, we yeah. haven't decided on the final seven. It oh, sounds like God. you're wanting to be lazy <laughs> and just, oh, well, we're in 959. Let's just pick up two for the... <laughs> The price of one. We do have the the entirety of time available to us, but while oh. we're here, just, just, just think we plan out our route map before we go. So, yeah, we, so we, I don't have to worry gonna, about, oh, we've gone all the way back to the choices available to us, and we'll, we'll try and wow. narrow it down. And only an hour to record. Let's get cracking. <laughs> Let's get cracking. Okay, who's who, who? What's the next suggestion then? Um, so, I've, I've had to, I've, I've modified my, my list on the fly, and oh, wow. uh. I'm now going to go back to 1956. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to pick up Elvis Presley. Elvis. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, I can see. I can see that. But, but why do you want Elvis for this lineup? Yeah, just uh, just just to to bear witness. Really, that's that's my only reason. Because <laughs> so I, I had to paste for the rest of these picks to yeah, bear witness. <laughs> to bear witness, uh, I had. Um, <laughs> Originally, so who I who I'm who I'm uh, who's who's no longer being invited is Leonard Skinner from 1973. They've been they've been uh, oh, wow. struck off, and and I'm going to take I'm going to go for Elvis instead. Uh, you want to yeah. bear witness to those hips by the sound? Of it. Bear witness to the whole thing. So our your there's overlap with my reasoning for Betty Davis as well. I guess I so just want to bear witness to the oh those two. Uh oh. The- <laughs> I picked him from Heartbreak Hotel time, which is. Like the beginning of his career. So yeah. that yeah, is that 1956? It was 1956, is what I said. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> only yeah. moments ago. I couldn't remember. Was, but 1956 yeah. was kind of the 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 year for rock and roll, wasn't it? As well. Can, so, yeah. can I ask just quickly? So uh, Elvis, 1956 was that his debut year, or he had a little bit of a time before? Because I, I can't ever place his his start. No, he's been I know it's... since the early fifties. I don't. I think. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, it was after other people had kind of started kicking off with the rock and roll business that he joined in. He was relatively early on, but I'll tell you where I'd like to take us. 
that's to the late 90s. 1998. I'm going to pick up If I Get My Way. We're going to pick up Gorguts. Oh, so this God. is the Obscura album period, which is an album that I'm, it's fair to say, slightly obsessed with. Uh, I think it's a, it's, a real, it's a real pickle of an album. It's kind of difficult for me to wrap my head around, which is why I've been kind of so fascinated by it. Um, and I think one of the reasons I've got a soft spot for it is that this was the death metal mini boom had sort of been over, and there was a lot of um, a lot of artists. Sepultura, I think, being one of the more famous ones who pivoted to more mainstream sort of new metal sounding sound, like proto new metal, groove metal, groove metal, yeah, like that Pantera sort of sound. So a lot of the death metal bands were trying for that, but Gore Guts doubled down instead and decided they were going to make the most abrasive piece of music ever made. And Obscura was the result of that, which is probably... It's it's, a, it's an album about transcendental meditation, but it sounds just like the pits of hell. And to hear that live, I just think would be... I, you have to bear witness to such a sound and such a thing. Not to... Um, I mean, obviously, we're not here to judge. Absolutely not. This is not a, um, a podcast of, uh, you've done this wrong. But you sound like a psychopath. <laughs> really? And why? <laughs> Actually, yeah, let me back that up. It's, it's, it, there's a lot of bear witness uh, in your language. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It, it, it's just that, okay? It's just an ob- observation from me. Uh, I'm obviously not the safest guy in the room, but, you know, sometimes um, I get worried, so... That's it. Sorry. I just like the idea of some of the videos that you see, the crowd... I mean, at a metal gig, you usually see some people headbanging and, and whatnot, but they just look completely paralyzed by what they're witnessing, which to me is fascinating. I just, I would just love to see it live. Bear witness. <laughs> just to bear witness. <laughs> Your next pick, sir? It's me. But it's you, yeah. I've stated oh, my yeah. case. <laughs> We, me and Dave both have terrible memories of who is Dave and who's gone next. I'll keep just have to track, don't worry. I just have to remember if I've heard your voice and your your choice, that's me. And then I've heard Dave, his voice, you... I've heard his choice, <laughs> and now it's time for me to go. Right, on, oh, wow. go. Next pick. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving the 50s, and we're actually taking quite a jump. We're going straight to, yeah, it's a bit of an obvious one, I feel like a coward for, for picking it, but Prince, 1984. Just because I think, uh, and I think a lot of my picks are probably going to be like this is the, like the artist um, at the sort of peak of their their juices, their their juicy powers, like they're they're they're, they're dripping with cream. Maybe I'll, I'll I'll get off this description style. Um, I feel like my ears are getting wet just listening to myself in the edit suite. But um, do you know what I mean? Because obviously, uh, so you're like see... in um, uh, puffy shirt Prince Sarah oh. instead of. Oh. Uh, I don't like him too sexy. The yeah. G-string, <laughs> the G-string yeah. Prince Sarah. I get a little terrified by Prince being too sexy because it's just intimidation of you don't know what he's just like an alien he's like an entity he's like some he's a bit like Bowie and, and others like that where it's just a kind of it doesn't feel like they're of this earth not not even just that they're obviously great talents that's, that goes without saying but there's just something about them where like it's almost a men in black thing where you're like oh my you know he's like oh, my teacher from sixth grade or whatever was like I'm pretty sure she was an alien I would not be surprised if someone went oh you know that great beautiful music you heard from these two artists they're from the planet Fwang um, <laughs> and then that would be like You'd you'd sort of nod and go, oh, I'm not scared anymore. <laughs> so I think that would that would be it. So I just think he at his peak in '84 would just be so. You just you would just like <laughs> I would want to bear witness to to Prince on stage because it would be that feeling of what am I witnessing here? Because he's just so at his his point of 
he's just about to tip over because you know like later on he starts to go down in quality and i don't mean quality like that's like saying you know our oh, picasso's paintings you start to really notice the strokes but it's it's just i think it it, it, it that would be him that would be him as like his mountain peak you're hoping to puffy get shirt. a purple rain like performance so yeah <laughs> From from that hour, that's the that's. The I'm hoping to be stood in a crowd of people and just you know have to walk off shamefully and change the panties. Too much. That's an interesting <laughs> reasoning, but um, um, I I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't turn down seeing Prince from 1984. Uh, yeah, I think it's becoming clear our our reasonings are starting to diverge. Um, for <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, who are we going with, Dave? Uh, Beatles 1968, bear witness. <laughs> <laughs> so the round about the White Album time. I picked them for obvious reasons, big band, eh? Um, the, the, the 1968 thing was a kind of a hope that they were at the point where they were starting to get into, you know, or they were they were using interesting ideas, but they, they, they weren't actually um, embittered yet. I don't know if I've judged that correctly. I'm not a, just uh, on the. I think yeah, just on the cusp, possibly of the beginnings of the breakup. So you mm. you've got the, not to not to take your reasoning from you, but yeah, <laughs> put words in your mouth. But you've got the the creativity, the experimentation. Famously, when they refused to play live um, that time. Oh, uh, uh, so yeah, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> you, you mentioned that. Um, yeah, Dave's just they, gonna have some guys just stir the door going. No, <laughs> we brought them all this way. <laughs> Show them the stage. Yeah, cosmic phone box arrives. Oh, f- come on. I'm I'm happy to de- to defer your judgment on um, timings and information around that. I know. I did. I absolutely love that idea of <laughs> the the the. I think for maybe two three years they'd given up the live gigging and had decided they were going to concentrate on studio only action and we are going back to that very specific time and mm. saying no no come on was this um plate of spaghetti peak with with shovels or is this no that was the year before that was magical oh. mystery tour that was this would have been the year after that so you've got i mean you've got quite the this catalog of, tried um, you get quite the catalog of music behind you there so you've got their all their early stuff and then you've got okay. uh, magical mystery tour sergeant peppers yeah, Trash. <laughs> I think, <laughs> and then Abbey Road came out the next in nineteen sixty nine. Yes, yeah, so they're so, they're not going to get you're not going to get the Abbey Road out of them unless you well, play the album for I, them when I they get here. I was kind of hoping oh. they might just like work a couple in for their live performances, like um, like a stand up on Mark the Week, you know, yeah. testing out the material. See, well, they were so rapid that they're probably still in that you know, Revolution Nine type mindset. So who knows what you're going to get? So you don't think they would do that? They wouldn't know any of the Abbey Road songs. Well, they might. They might, okay. they might have Leonard Skinner the then. <laughs> Dave, you might get a time cop um, scenario. You know that great Jean-Claude Van Damme movie where he um, roundhouse kicks the bad guy into the past version of himself and they just sort of mold together into a blob on the floor. I think that's what would happen if you obviously introduced that this is the future music you'll create, maybe it will break their brains and not be able uh, to perform, so it might actually melt them. Roundhouse kick, town cop, blob, Beals. What can I do? Can I, just before they go on, can I be like, so you, you working on anything new? <laughs> you're, you're playing a real dicey game, right? So right before they're about to actually record and, and write these songs, you're like, here, you know the ones you're going to do next year? Oh, come <laughs> on, let's hear them now. 
they're just going to be bemused by the whole scenario. You know, freezing to play live, but then don't play the songs that you have. Play the ones that you ha- you don't know yet. I like it. They they might get a little bit of roundhouse kick when uh, Gorguts take the stage if they're playing before them. <laughs> Okay, so we're going from, I guess, regarded as the greatest band of all time to a band that exists. Um, I am going to reach for some more metal, more chaos, I'm afraid. Uh, We're going to 2005 and we're picking up the Dillinger Escape Plan. Now, this is obviously for pure spectacle. They described the earlier part of their career as that they were very angry um, and that they performances that they gave on stage were just kind of due to this bitterness and and I don't know if you had a chance to see any of the footage but they do a lot of strange things including uh, sprinting into the audience, uh, standing on uh, <laughs> monitors um, like so the guitarist would sprinting! Yeah, <laughs> the, the singer Greg uh, Pucciato uh, one of the, it was one of the ones from actually 2005 where he just kind of sprints into the crowd um, a couple of times and the guitarists would sort of wildly swing their guitars at the front of the audience, uh, inviting all kinds of lawsuits. Um, and this was, I mean, they've got their, one of their most famous albums, Miss Machine Under the Belt. So they've got some songs, but yeah, just the this spirit of the Dillinger Escape Plan at that time, uh, where anything, absolutely anything can happen and likely people are going to get hurt. Is that a bad reason? <laughs> the worst reason. <laughs> so So far... Yeah, so far we've got danger on the stage and in the crowd with you so far. So um, I'm not saying we've got any authority here, but we need to clap irons on this guy. Clap irons. Fires that they've set up oh, some for, gigs as well. Wow. Well. Who's who's bringing flammable? I- oh, anyway, forget. <laughs> yeah, we don't want any other acts like dying before you know we miss out some of their material they haven't released yet. So we're looking for uh, injury and danger from Dillinger Escape Plan 2005. I'll step aside. Let you. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna. Oh God, I'm, my my list. Who's the safest live act? That Listen, you think of? nothing more safe than my next act because they feel like they're gonna be around forever, and that's Queen in 1985. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, this is the Live Aid. Era yeah, Queen, basically talking? that Live Aid where Freddie was because you've seen him like live in Rio, live at all these places over the world and things like that. Where he's just he's just got the audience in his in his in the palm of his hands, and he's just like, yeah, yeah, here you are. We'll go up. No, 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 we'll take it down. And obviously Brian May guitar and that blonde guy that does the drums and the other one, like, but just Fred to see Freddie Mercury. Just I I, I would class him as one of the if not the greatest frontman of all time, just because he had. It he had the presence and just to be in a crowd where he's he's, he's at a stupid uh, point in the show because it's it's if you actually watch Live Aid and when they come on it's an odd running order they should have closed is what I'm saying obviously no one could have predicted um, the way the whole thing was going to be going but I think is there not like a several I may be talking out of turn here and we'll cut it out if I look like an idiot but I'm pretty sure this didn't close and there was a couple of acts after them but. It is quite embarrassing that they, they basically came on just definitely on during the daytime weren't they because yeah. the footage is. Day, so yeah, they, they weren't. But maybe that's when the energy was high because they just witnessing his and he was enjoying himself and whatever was going on in his life, and he knew that that stage and these people they were all in the moment. And I think that's what's so pure about it. Like you know, you get performances, but as far as like seeing someone conduct 
a sea of humanity is is spectacular and to be part of that like as, as much as i hate crowds and i hate things like tea in the park or festivals and stuff like that just to be in that that ocean at that moment would have been probably spectacular and i just think he would have just i mean not not as much as as prince would have like you know i, I would have walked away dry but i would have been tearful because i had been so emotionally exhausted by it because it just felt so good you gotta remember we're not taking the audience with us though and that, that's a lot of people that fit in the old uh, but phone box i think you think you'd be able him, to Mm-hmm. I think him delivering the, it to me would be like I was Frankie Sharp of Sharp Records. It would be to an audience of one, and he was singing just to me in my limo. Uh, basically, I'd be coming from Chicago back to... Uh, maybe it's... It would, <laughs> I, think, I, I feel like the ratio of uh, Wayne's World references that you've made on all the podcasts that you've had is quite high for most people. I watched it very recently, so I apologise. But um, Freddie Mercury, you're going for audience control and... Pat, well, could you imagine if we had a smaller audience with that power? We'd all be like scanners. Do you know what I mean? All right, let's go to the next one. Bring it up. Bring your yeah. little list up. Come on. Bring my little <laughs> list up. Um, yeah, yeah, this is the this is the main one for me. This is my uh, my 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 highest regards uh, are for nineteen ninety the three tenors. The three tenors. Why why them and why nineteen ninety? Let's hear it. Because of one song, Ness and Dorma, uh, and 1990 was the, the, this was like the the soundtrack of the Italia 90 World Cup, and it was maybe the last time I was truly happy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have much more to say about it, just a wonderful time in the world, I think. It was a very positive place for the for those of us living uh, where, you know, well, where I lived anyway, it was very nice. Living in safety. I'm starting <laughs> yeah. to feel like if, if you get a hold of this time machine, you're going back to 1990 and then just keep <laughs> us all there. <laughs> <laughs> We're staying here. Right, so where I would suggest that we go is 1975 to pick up the post-punk new wave band Devo. Oh, um, there we go. It's... You might think it's a slightly odd year as before they'd released any of their albums. And I think <laughs> if you took Devo from pretty much any time, especially the late 70s, early 80s, you're going to have pretty a pretty cracking live gig. But why 1975 is that from about then, maybe for a couple of years, they had notoriously uh, confrontational gigs um, where... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> where they... so. Uh, Mark Mothersbaugh in particular was quite peculiar at this time. He had that, uh, I don't know if you've seen the, the boogie boy mask that he wears. I was introduced to this boogie boy by you, and uh, it was just wonderful. It was like pure insanity. I couldn't figure out what was going on. I didn't know what to think, but like, I've seen some weird It's a very unsettling but... sort of baby yeah. mask, isn't it? Like a Halloween uh, mask of some sort. Um, and he, So Mark Mothersbaugh's the... Famous. Um, well, he's, also, he's, congratulations on being able to say that name. If that is indeed how it's how it's pronounced, fairly certain that's how you pronounce it. But yeah, obviously, Diva went into some fame afterwards. But just, yeah, just during this time, you've got a particularly unhinged uh, band. And I don't know if you've heard those early performances where Mark Mother's Buzz synthesizer basically sounds like a it's like a malfunctioning mainframe or something. I'm not sure how to describe it. Uh, and right about this time, so I mean. Could be late nineteen seventy five, early seventy six. They've still they've still got this kind of this kind of attitude. But one of the more famous gigs was a, a Halloween show where they were 
asked to open for uh, experimental jazz musician Sun Ra. Do you know who that is? Yeah. So they're opening for Sun Ra. They're expecting a certain type of person to go to that gig. Uh, and they are not the kind of band that that type of person would enjoy. So they went through their various songs. And apparently this is one of the first, if not the first, performance of uh, Jocko Homo, which is one of their famous earlier songs. Um, and there's a, a call and response sort of part to that, where it's, are we not men? We are Devo. Uh, and this apparently went on for entirely too long. Depending on who you ask, it went from 15 minutes to 30 <laughs> minutes uh, of this um, antagonizing everybody. And actually, there was if, you can actually hear this gig online as well. And you can hear um, you can hear one of the audience members say, you're just a bunch of uh, so they were there was a bit of audience participation, which is also kind of the the kind of thing that I like um, from live bands. Apparently, they had emptied the venue, and Sunra ended up playing for Devo and the bar staff. Oh. Um, <laughs> so, so this has to be borne witness of, surely. This kind of this kind of live act. <laughs> I was talking about getting the uh, weirdly creamy over Prince earlier on. Maybe Neil with this weird bear witness gig <laughs> just be a puddle by the end of it. Oh my god, <laughs> these guys! I would really like to go and see that. Yeah, and especially if it was half an hour of that. <laughs> Straight. Yeah, I think if you're if you're up for that, you probably you'd easily stick around for it. If you're expecting something else, you can see why people would abandon ship. Imagine being there for those horrible. Almost uh, wild gigs that you didn't know what the hell was going on, but like being so mindful at the time that you were what you were seeing almost you know keyed up because a lot of this would have taken people by surprise. But obviously hindsight, looking back, we would have been like amazing. But obviously in a nineteen seventy five or seventy six brain, you'd have been like, yeah, f- these guys, not ready for it, giving them the Martin McFly treatment. Hmm. Uh, so uh, I then put the next pick to you, sir. So I'm going to go, not bland, I would say, because uh, I don't want to just keep going chronological, but um, I'm, I've worked my way up to, I'm now in the 90s, and I'm going to go 1996, Pantera, because they are a metal band that I, I they were, because obviously I'd liked, I liked hip-hop growing up, and I always liked a bit of Guns N' Roses, so I liked a bit of metal and things like that. I never really knew, um, you know, particular bands or things like that. I just had my little kind of what was in the charts and I, I got a little pepper and of actual music every now and then to make me cool. And just 1996 and safe and you'd have to worry about a job. You'd have to worry about anything. I think I was 11. Oh, you, this, uh, is the, this is the, the, the three tenors for you, is it? It's more just like 1996 just seems like obviously mid 80s is always a good thing for being like, that is the 80s. But I think 1996 just feels like Pantera's heavy, aggressive sound and just being there around that madness and the 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 way they performed was just like it was just like a like a car crash but i don't I don't, know. I don't know if this is in your wheelhouse reasoning for this but you're 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 almost in in my wheelhouse here because this is when if i'm remembering correctly 1996 was when the singer Phil Anselmo was at his most heroiny unreliable it might have been i mean it, i hear that they're quite they were quite a good uh, live <laughs> act and it's not going to happen it now. kind of cuz this this almost got um sub Supplanted? Am I talking intelligent there? No, that sounds great to me. Okay, but anyway, this almost got replaced. Almost, almost got a Leonard Skinner treatment uh, because I was actually going to put in the the Alison Chains unplugged um, live because similarly, you you'd explain to me years later he didn't look in great shape, but the audio of that performance 
was amazing. And almost finding out years later that this is what he was like at the time and was able to crack that out was almost a, like a, an experience in itself. So I think like... So you'd heard the arm before you saw the video yeah, footage yeah. of it and, and it I think, quite uh, apparent what was going on. <laughs> yeah, looking at him, I hadn't seen the live footage and you were like, go seek out. And I was like, oh my God. So put it in a new perspective, almost rather than being like, oh no, it was almost like, yes, this guy, <laughs> you know, looking like a, just like a homeless heroin addict. It was like, like his, his voice is amazing. But I'd say similar to Pantera, Phil Anselmo, he just had, I think he, he luckily, because you hear the early days of Pantera, he tried something different and it didn't work, but he basically rested into the sound of someone trying to yawn and gr- grunt at the same time singing, and it worked. And I guess if you're absolutely, you know, buggered up, it doesn't matter. <laughs> metal. You, you, so you want a little bit of metal, but not not uh, gorguts. Yeah, not too. <laughs> I like to go hard, but not um, planet colliding. <laughs> All right, step up to the plate, Dave, for your final pick. Final pick, I chose Radiohead in 1994, which is just before they came out with the album The Bends. And I'm doing the similar thing with The Beatles. I'm kind of hoping for a little taste of that future action live. <laughs> I, yeah, I think they had, um, they did have, I can't remember now off the top of my head, but they were, Dave. They, were they, they seemed ready at that point for a so you're, you're risking another roundhouse situation. <laughs> Just for I, your own pleasures. You're going to put us all in danger. I am risking, because I think they, they went through a kind of evolutionary step between Pablo Honey and the Benz, and I want to catch them in that moment of transitioning. Before they're fed up of the songs from the Benz, which happened quite quickly afterwards. Yeah. So you want to catch that enthusiasm before they get sick of um, playing yeah. uh, fake plastic I like trees. catch them. Catch them going between a just a generic kind of indie Britpop type band to some to being Radiohead, I suppose, almost like a kind of genre to themselves in a way. You know, like there's just that little bit in there. That's when I want to go and see them. The gigs, I, I suppose, people would have been at the gigs. It wouldn't have been a quiet gig. They probably would have still had a bit of a following, eh? Oh yeah, um, at that point they, 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 well, they had a, they had a hit at that point. So you're not it's yeah. not going to be you're not going to be crammed into a little um, basement uh, type venue. There are stories of them playing in pubs, but um, I think that was sort of pre Pablo Honey, I, I suppose. But that would have been quite interesting to see, you know, uh, Radiohead in the in the Rover or whatever. It's interesting. You're kind of looking for apart from the three tenors, obviously, for a very different reason. But you're looking for a certain attitude from them uh, in terms of their creativity uh, and like a very particular time in their career which is an interesting if slightly different from mine uh, take on on these things uh, okay so we'll move on swiftly to my final pick it's something we've it's a performance we've visited already in a previous podcast but again no. it's just something that I have to see The Doors Circa 1969, oh um, Jim Morrison. I mean, I don't know, is that cruel to want to see that? It might be deemed cruel to see a man kind of... You know, it's a bit like Joe, what Joe Rogan said, he, he didn't want to interview fighters after they've been knocked out anymore. I think that would be similar. I think I this is in this, this genre yeah. I should be stepping back. For, I mean, I've seen the <laughs> doors be ashamed case, of yourself. Again, it's just something that I would like to have uh, been a witness to is... Um, Jim Morrison, round about this time, just to witness some some history there. Uh, it was quite a wild time 
from all accounts, uh, seeing them live around about this time. I mean, they've got all their songs and everything. You're just kind of seeing, you get a little bit extra spice on your, your live performance if you see them at a certain time in their career. Um, but I'm extra sensing spice, that you're not you on board. Four tons of garlic. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, we we have covered it before, and I think the reasons uh, for wanting to see the doors in 1969 are yeah. plainly obvious. I don't like to garnish my meals in fear. And that with, <laughs> with that final pick, I think you've got a, a good a good idea of the kind of thing I'm looking to yeah. see. I mean, when I go to live gigs in general and in, in life, I'm not I'm not hoping to see something interesting to that extent happen. But um, if you Based know on the, the last hour, I would say that's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> You're disappointed at every gig you go to. Oh God, so tame, so, they played so mild, the, so cheddar. They, they just played the songs in, in a very competent manner. How terrible! Um, yeah, maybe that's um, maybe I just maybe I really think about things. Maybe it's the state of mind that I am in at the moment in the pandemic that I'm approaching madness, and I would just like to see uh, that mirrored in live performance music. So yeah, The Doors, 1969. You've got to vote for it. <laughs> And let's hear the last one then. The last pick, um, bit of a no, not really a come down because uh, it's more of a kind of um, similar to Prince, similar to Freddie. Um, but because of the music being created at the time, I would want to see MF Doom in two thousand four because I would think, live wise, just his juiciness for pumping out as much content as possible from like late two thousand three to like the end of two thousand four. He must have just been just teeming with uh, energy. And to see it, because anyway, because he's, he's just such a smooth, enjoyable performer. He's one of my favourites, and because um, I actually got introduced to him by seeing his vinyl just in, in in a shop in Aberdeen. Just I was like, "What is this weird cover? A guy in a metal mask?" So I bought it, uh, the CD because I seen the, I didn't buy the vinyl. I bought the CD, obviously, but played it on the way on the bus ride home in my little CD player, and was just fa- just fantastic. And then started to hear and, and learn more about his career and that, and just realised that almost like I mean I don't know how many albums was it. Was it three or four he did in 2004, at least a, a stretch? It was a stretch from about 2003 to 2005, where, yeah, he, yeah, he had just, quite, the, quite the output. And just like just fantastic. I mean, he's a little bit over-indulgence in the skits and in-between stuff, but just as far as the albums as a listen, just and I just think visually, because you want to go thrilling on stage, a, a strange, milky-smooth rapper with a me- like a gladiator mask on his face, um, rapping fantastically to any audience is going to be there'll be applause. It's uh, it's not quite um, Bobcat Goldthwait open up for Nirvana. This is high quality. This is this is good stuff. The reason that's interesting is I don't know if it was the roundabout this time. You might have been all oh. right, but l- later he was notorious for uh, apparently and allegedly sending people on stage with his mask. <laughs> Oh and wow! Him. <laughs> oh, so oh, are you conv- are you confident that you would be able to um, oh, no. tell so what you looked old- like based on the early KMD <laughs> pictures? Um, so I could be hiring him. Bob from finance. Oh god! Yeah, imagine bringing uh, oh. bringing back the wrong guy from two thousand four. <laughs> Just some guy in a metal mask. I mean, I might as well wear it myself. You know what I mean? Awful. It's a high risk pick. Oh wow! I didn't even realize that. I feel I feel so ashamed of myself for for being so gullible. <laughs> God, how can I even be trusted for my previous picks? Disqualified. <laughs> but I think if you if you were somehow able to ensure that you got um, MF Doom, I think it would be a very. Uh, so I've got to get a blood test somebody... for a bloody performance. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I get. A, we're gonna have to Weird bring extra admin. equipment. 
pay for the whole thing, I'm assuming. So I, I'm out of pocket. Oh, God, I think um, I think once he started, he started with like the performance. Great albums, would be able to. T- I mean, this is why people are allegedly able to to tell because they were not hearing what he sounded like. But by the time we've gone back to 2004, got the wrong guy. Uh, we've we're just yeah. <laughs> There's just people throwing rubbish at me like I'm Daphne and Celeste. Although I might be quite into that, given the nature of my picks. Um, <laughs> Neil's underhanded. Oh, yeah, pick him. <laughs> pick him. It'd be wonderful if uh, if other people were as, as bold as to do that, people without even masks. How would that be possible, though, without the mask? Sort of the convenience <laughs> of the mask. Oh, no, it would just, it would just be like... I think that's Mick Jagger. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas Lindhurst comes out and starts singing Pantera. <laughs> right, we've got all our suggestions in. Um, any clear headliners in your eyes from and your ears from uh, the names that have been suggested here? Can you remember all of them? <laughs> been through quite a few. I mean, Elvis Presley's... If we did, in fact, pick him, it would be quite a difficult one to deny. Mm-hmm. But then you, you, you've both kind of named very big, famous... Uh, you got Prince there as well, haven't you? Oh, um, yeah. Gorgut's not headlining for us? <laughs> I, like, I feel bad if we were just piling on you because I, I would say that two for one coming the other way. Maybe Dave actually wants some Gorgut's, uh, <laughs> some Gorgut's danger. I don't know, but um, I feel there might be some two for ones in a few of the scenarios... Uh, that might not go my way. So for this one, I'll, I'm strongly on your side for uh, for Gorgats not only opening the show but uh, also being the headline act. So because Dave was, was hoping they play twice, for... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they're doing double duty. Um, they split their set in two. I I, I like that. But uh, Dave was suggesting the warm up of uh, Miles Davis, which quite would be quite the the warm up. Is that is that almost because um, that's why I, I was suggesting Sinatra because obviously you get warm up the crowd just talking because sometimes his performances were very. Um, Let me tell you about something. Blah blah blah. Yeah, such and such. Fly me to the moon. Blah blah blah. blah. And then he would just get back to talking. So it's like he's not. Yeah. And then he, then once everyone's in their seats or you know in the San Dimas High School auditorium, and um, you know you get them in. It's not disrespectful. He knew you know you get the crowd warmed up. Whereas I think. Miles Davis being on first as a warm-up act would obviously give him less um, out front and centre uh, validation of why he's there. So I think he he almost maybe needs to be a cooler of once you have one of these more aggressive acts, people kind of... Uh, it's almost like in a movie where there's just like a sl- slightly calming influence that comes in and, and you know chills the chaos. Maybe it's yeah. Miles could be... Once there's been some Devo aggression, you'd be like, hey, everyone, just chill out and listen to this. Is there anyone you can't abide... Um, seeing live from that list. I've said my piece. You've said your piece. I uh, do you agree that MF Doom's high risk action here. We might not end up getting MF. I'm Doom. I'm full of more terror than a Dillinger escape plan gig. Thinking how embarrassed I'd be if it's and almost he maybe he was in on the joke of he, he would be like yeah yeah I'm booked I'm booked baby, and then I'm sending this guy out on stage and he just whips it off and it's I don't know anyone embarrassing. Um, okay, so. I think we can lose Radiohead because I'm not like. Um, oh, yeah, what's he I, setting up? This is it. It's like you butter up someone for a, a different choice. He's giving me the easy one. He knows I disagree you're with it. You're having a sup of veto, yeah. so you can then come in with your next one. That's fine. Though. No, no. I, <laughs> Radiohead stays. It's, it's not a trick. Um, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm happy for them to be out the, out of the race. I don't feel that strong about them. Um, yeah, I, not a big deal to me. Um, I would like to insist on 
both Miles Davis and Betty Davis uh, being at this gig. Does anyone disagree with that? <laughs> I I think Miles Davis could attend to watch, couldn't he? <laughs> uh, and then he's not yet, and you know, he's not necessarily taking a place up on stage. But we get that, um, we get that interplay. Oh, we're only making seven trips. We're not going to get uh, audience members here, all right? So I I I I, I like. Uh, I w- <clears throat> we insisting now, are we? Uh, um, all right. We are we allowed one insist? I feel like I've I've wasted it, and I wasted it on one. Oh, of ones yes, that one. Picks. No, yeah, that's it. One assist, and that's it. Insisted on my behalf as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I insist for both choices. Cross insist. So now that Dave's insisted, um, I feel I'm only one left to insist. <laughs> I would say just to close the show, much like they should have done at Live Aid. Um, I would say that the Queen, Queen finishes. Finish. Yeah. Because there's no more power than that. There's no more power. Like, and that would be whatever goes on in this grinding, kicking over monitors, setting yeah. fire, Devo being weird, if we choose them, that kind of thing. I think a, a sort of bringing everyone back down to reality and sending them home happy. Let's make the main event. Queen. I would oh, say oh. one thing, though, Dave, is that um, you would have that super high energy and then just, oh, what's this? The lights have come back on again. Pavarotti. Oh, <laughs> and then just the one song, Ness and Dorma, and then everyone goes off. Okay, I'm, I'm, I actually, I like that actually. That would because obviously the energy's high, and you want that extra yeah. little taste. Maybe that's maybe that is a good shout because there's no other place to put that three tenors performance. There isn't. That's it's the grand <laughs> so it would be. Oh, that, actually, I like that. They're basically the, the lights dim. Everyone's like, oh, it's time to go home to our sad lives. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> is that your insist? That's that that's, it, it uh, is. It, you, yeah, it's it's my insist. Absolutely, that's your insist. Okay. Um. So we need we need three more for this this great this very bizarre gig. I think we need Devo in the center just to have a test of the patience. <laughs> to test the audience. really yeah. because if you're really dedicated to yeah. get through that and you get the treat of Reward. Queen and that's what I'm saying. It's almost like watching all the credits and getting a post credit scene. You're yes, getting the reward of. If you can sit through this, you, not only are you going to be glad you sat through it, but we're going to give you a little something extra. Mm-hmm. I obviously don't disagree with that because it was possibly my favourite pick uh, of my five. So, um, any other strong cases for no or yes or uh, you? We're not happy that we're parading Jim Morrison out there. I for for leave just for, for yeah, leave leave the boy be. All right, yeah. I think that's enough. The, um, the guy's we're, suffered we're enough. You don't Beatles need to be and Elvis out of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, too high maintenance. Too high maintenance. And the Beatles just saying like they'd just be at the, the side creating some sort of problems. Beatles are just yeah, they're they're indifferent. Not, they're not gonna be into it. It doesn't sound like you're picking them to see them, really, aren't you? That, like, I mean, that's that's why I had them. Down. Might as well meet them in the hotel lobby then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that would be vastly more thrilling, wouldn't it? Uh, I don't know. I suppose seeing the, the one of the most highly regarded bands of all time play their music um, might be preferable to the hotel lobby. Yeah, but but high, I think I'd like to but... meet them at the Flumes at like Leisure Centre or something. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, either way, it'd be it would be one of the most memorable things in your in your life, wouldn't it? To 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 come into contact with the Beatles, but um, yeah, it doesn't. I think we'd be forcing them to do something they weren't really... I mean, as we're forcing all of them, actually, we're going collecting them from their own time and bringing them to some undisclosed location to perform for us. Well, Bill and Ted didn't force them. They obviously, through their good personalities and, and uh, team spirit, <laughs> our, our version sounds horrible. Yeah, so I'm play, making it very... I'm you play, we'll break your family's backs. Be, aren't I? 
Um, yeah, we're we're gonna through our great charisma be able to convince them that this is the thing they they want to do. But um, seems like it'd be begrudging on the Beatles part so we're leaving the Beatles behind yes Imagine that. oh yeah yeah uh, but that does leave you with you've I mean there's obviously there's there's others we're Pantera I don't know if they're because you're they talking really about fit. Elvis and Prince at this point mm. um mm. <laughs> two options uh, yeah we've got enough aggression so we'll 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 sit we'll simmer it down I think that I, I want this smooth start with a little bit of an agitated Betty Davis continuation and then obviously you ramp it up with Devo really I testing the patience I take it by the Devo pick. We're we're already putting them under enough stress that endangering them with the Dillinger escape plan is off the mm. menu. Yeah, off the way. Yeah, I think I think it should be a <laughs> the guise of good music in the sense that you've got Miles Davis uh, not being able to concentrate because of his agitation from Betty Davis. Obviously, <laughs> she'll perform whatever she does to rile him up. He's off shouting off stage. And then you've got Devo who come in. Everyone's just on on edge, <laughs> absolutely on edge. And then basically, you just hear a couple of chords of uh, Purple Rain starting, and then the gigs off to a flyer or you, uh, whatever, or maybe even the uh, Computer Blue or something. Like that. And that's like the kind of like let's start your pleasure, and then that kicks into the finishing of the gig. So once Devo's been, we've we we're done with the keeping people on edge. So Gorguts, I think, um, as much as I'd like to hear that uh, <laughs> that that cacophony, uh, we don't want to, we don't want to rile them up too much. No, um, given that we're giving them a, a three tenors finish, but that so that I guess leaves us with yeah. See, you've you've just slid Prince in there like it's a confirmed thing. We haven't actually agreed on that, but um, I wouldn't disagree with it. <laughs> That's my way. Prince after Devo. Yeah, I mean, if you were talking about pure sexual energy at the beginning we could have had you know elvis then betty davis you've got quite a that's a that's a boiling pot isn't it the audience are going to start jumping on one another um but i've already assisted yeah but by the time they get the prince it'll be the the knickers will be the yeah, no yeah, we can't have elvis we can't have elvis or the beatles it's, well, what, this wait, is the reality oh. we're dealing in so actually i think one spot left um we arrive at a place where we're choosing between Elvis and Frank Sinatra, it sounds like. Oh, oh my God. Tough. Uh, well, because I, I wanted Frank as the warm-up, I guess. If he's not going to warm up and, and you've decided that Miles is the, 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 the sort of start to then build up to the Devo thing, I think Frank has to go just because he, he can't be at the begin, any, anywhere other than the beginning, for me, anyway. So amazingly, Elvis is not the headliner. He is uh, a transitioner between Prince and Queen, which would be quite, that'd be quite the little uh, section there, wouldn't it? Wonderful. Okay. We've arrived at a, a lineup here. It's not quite the seven with the headliner. It sounds like there's a, a particular configuration. So uh, what we have is Miles Davis to start, followed a change, very much a change of pace. So this is Miles Davis from 1959, so it's not even um, like the late 60s Miles. In fact, they don't even know each other at this point. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> we made a point. mistake. This would be like Dave. interesting. <laughs> Dave put the idea in the heads. You know you'll dislike each other in the future. <laughs> what? Roundhouse. They, um, well, so she knows him. He doesn't know her. That's, uh, that's, that's added layers of intrigue that I hadn't even thought about. I'm in, I'm oh, so, so this could actually be the test in our gig. Of will they get on with this decades of, of separation? So the first Back to the Future. Oh, wow. Plot. Biff, Biff's getting knocked out, let's put it that way. 1959, Miles Davis. Uh, 1974, Betty Davis comes on. He's like, oh, you've got the same last name as me. 
and then you know uh, things start to get on edge there uh, you have 1975 Devo uh, coming in after that uh, with a 30 minute rendition of uh, their song Jogobomo <laughs> mixed in we would insist obviously uh, then 1984 Purple Rain uh, Puffy Shirt Prince uh, oh, follows yes. Devo not sure how to that, that's a that's a bit of a pivot as well isn't it uh, but that's that's the idea of those it's the yeah. you've survived and then you get rewarded because of your sticking yeah you get I Prince I after the sun um, <laughs> suffering Dave 1956 Elvis Presley comes on, shaking the hips uh, for a bit, and he is then leading us to 1985 Queen, who apparently were leading the audience to believe are the headliners, you know, the the, the curtains close. Um, and then you're getting your encore, oh. which is the, the three tenors there, from Do 1990. You know one thing, though. Devo make it tough, right? Like Dave says, tension. And then getting Prince in after that, wonderful. I wonder if we just need to go back to tension again briefly, though. Because we, we <laughs> want feel to come in triumphant. And uh, I, I think just something, just a real left hook out of nowhere. Um, Jim Morrison. Jim Morrison in, in place. I think, I think the someone you can't trust. <laughs> Scary. Perfect. Yeah. So Elvis uh, is going and the door is 1969 for that in. moment. Yeah, yeah, it's too much safety at once for the audience. Grab your f- friend and love him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, much, I, that sounds that just feels right. I think. Like in the flow of that. You saved it, Dave. I was like, because Elvis felt kind of weak, and I was like, poor guy. I guess he's just in there. It's like, a, let's make it all pleasant again. But I guess the uncertainty would actually would make Queens even better because it's just like, oh, we're 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 at the we're at the shore. It's fine. Shark suddenly has legs and comes on on land. <laughs> I'm glad you're getting on board with my style of gig. This is uh, all turning out terrifically well. <laughs> oh, so he's managed to slip in there. <laughs> All right, so then we have uh, Prince, then The Doors, Queen, and then The Three Tenors. A very, I obviously would love to go to this gig, very peculiar gig. Absolutely. Uh, and then San Dimas High School Rules, and we have, <laughs> we have uh, not been expelled. Uh, it's been a big success, and then we return to this harrowing time. <laughs> Excellent. Happy. With this, I am. This is this has worked out wonderful. I, what a roller coaster of emotions! It's it's been fantastic. So we encourage everybody to go as soon as they can to a live gig, mix in with crowds as soon as as early as, early as possible. Is that what we're saying here? Meet a stranger every day. That's your, that's your goal. <laughs> Try and find as many open doors as you can to just go in, um, and you know it's their hard luck if you've been able to gain entry. That's my advice. And just touch things. <laughs> I have to put a couple of disclaimers in there. But anyway, that was um, <coughs> that was wonderful. Thanks uh, for participating, helping, uh, for discussing. And thanks mm. to you, listener, for opening your ears, um, not hearing Scottish voices 30 seconds in and saying, I'm not going to listen to that. Uh, thank you for sticking with us. And hopefully see you on a future episode of The Blast from Casper. Yeah, you got it right, listener.